of the unfolding doctrine of the Bible that we understand who we are. And so I think Galatians is really about properly narrating, properly reading the story. And the Judaizers are coming in, and they're re-narrating the story. In fact, they're kind of taking away from the story. Paul says, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if even we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. And so Paul's going to tell the story. He's going to tell the story on the basis of revelation. He says, I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul's story was one, I think, that he, you know, he's saying this in Galatians, I misunderstood the story. Uh, You've heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. But now, through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And so Paul's saying, I misunderstood the story of Israel. I'd received those stories, but now Christ has broken into the story, and the narration has become something completely different. I don't know if you're an Alfred Hitchcock fan. I always liked Alfred Hitchcock movies. Uh, and it's a characteristic thing, you know, and one of his movies is called Psycho. And Psycho is, uh, uh, well, that one, I better not tell the story of Psycho. That one's too much on a Sunday morning. Uh, what is the, the other, the, uh, Vertigo. Vertigo is the story in which it's just, you know, you're, it's just kind of an ordinary story. story. It's uh, Jimmy Stewart, you know, he falls in love. And, and you think, oh, well, this is a nice little story. But then, in the middle of the story, we discover the whole thing, that there is no, this Madeline, whom he's fallen in love with, is a complete fiction. She does not, she's just a character that somebody has created. And so this is typical Hitchcock. You know, you're, you're an ordinary thing, and then suddenly something breaks into it. Now that's kind of in a, in a scary way. But of course, that's apocalypse in the Bible, is that we have one story, we have one line, and then there is an apocalyptic event, the breaking in of Christ into the story. It's the same story, and yet it's not the same story. Everything is changed up. The meaning is changed up. And so uh, this is the problem of the Judaizers. They're still telling the story in the same old way. Um, and I'm afraid that some, you know, maybe we could even say that two theologies do this. You know, I think, I'm afraid this is the problem with a Lutheran justification by faith. Uh, that actually, it, the whole idea of justification there, he's still telling the story in an old, you know, uh, Old Testament sense. 
in the new perspective that we have in the in the New Testament, Paul is he's still a covenantal thinker. He's still thinking the covenant with Abraham's important. He's talking about that in Galatians. But now he's realized, no, that Jesus is the culmination of this history of Israel's salvation. So, you know, I'm afraid in Protestantism we've lost sometimes the story. We think, oh, the story is done away with. No, it's the same story. It's just that it's being re-narrated in Christ, in God's action in Jesus, in his resurrection. There is an eruption, an apocalyptic kind of invasion of the cosmos that's completely unexpected. Actually, this is a, uh, a friend of Joel's, uh, Ryan Harker, uh, has written on this extensively. I've, I've talked to Ryan. He, he, this is a quote from Ryan. He says, Paul's thinking is bounded, controlled, and shaped by two interlocked narratives. His understanding of God's covenant with Israel and the apocalyptic narrative in which God is engaged in battle with forces, not the least of which are sin and death that have enslaved creation, including especially humanity. Paul absolutely and firmly swims in both streams. That is, he's saying, here is the problem as we have it, but he's a, you know, he's, Paul is still a deeply Jewish theologian, but he's had to rethink everything. He's had to re-narrate all of the Old Testament, and that's what we're getting in Galatians and Romans. Paul's saying, well, here's the story, but the meaning of the story has, has changed up. Um, it's a richer tapestry that he's weaving. And so we might look at Galatians as a retelling of the story of Exodus. This is the new Exodus, though, in Christ. And this is the homeward journey of God's people, not led by these theophanies, you know, pillar of cloud and fire, but led by the Holy Spirit of God. And But it's still incorporative. It's still participationist sort of language uh, in which there is this historical groundedness to the story. That is, salvation is working itself out in history. And what that means for us personally, salvation is something we can see in our lives. We can look back at the story of our own lives and say, oh, there God was guiding me. Here I can see what God was doing in my life. And we can re-narrate the story of our own lives in, in this same way. And so because of sin and you know the distortion of Torah by the people to whom it was given, the fulfillment of the covenant cannot but come as an apocalyptic event. They've misunderstood the they thought that life was in the law itself and the law was the end of the end of, the end of this. And so what Paul is doing uh, is saying, no, there's new creation. God is uh, giving us a new beginning. God is still delivering us. But it was not merely a political slavery in Egypt, but it's a slavery to sin. So this, is the, this apocalyptic event is the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham. This is how God is faithful to the covenant. Now that's the letter of Romans. That's really the letter of Galatians in which Paul is, is saying this. This is you know Galatians 4.21. He says, 
insofar as Abraham has two families, they can be characterized as the slave family and the free. And it is the multi-ethnic people defined by faith, not just Jews, but the people formed through Christ in the spirit who are the true, true children of Isaac, the true Isaac children, rather. Uh, these are the free people of God. Now, Paul will tell the story. He'll tell, re-narrate the story of Abraham in Romans 4, in Romans 9, in Romans 10. But it is this narrative it's, that's articulated that provides then the theological grounding of this new community of the church. It's still Israel. It's still Exodus. It's still the seed of Abraham. Uh, you know, it's still, as we talked last week, where it's still the idea of being enslaved. We talked about we're prone to take up the elemental principles of this world and to make this the substance of our story. Uh, this is, I don't know if you've read, C.S. Lewis had an illustration of this. He, he said, if you imagine that we were all a kind of two-dimensional flatlanders, you know, and you just see two dimensions, even if somebody outside of those two, two dimensions would stick their hand into those dimensions, you would still only see the two dimensions. You wouldn't see the fullness of the hand of God. And so in a sense, that's the, the, what Paul is doing. He's giving us a fuller dimension. The Judaizers, the, the people committed to the idea that life is in the law, they're kind of the flatlanders who haven't seen the way that God's hand is working. They're living it out in a kind of linear fashion. Uh, the, you know, Paul says the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. One proceeding from Mount Sinai bearing children who are to be slaves. She is Hagar. Now this is Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. What is Paul doing? He's reversing the roles. In other words, the Jews thought... Oh, we're not the child of the slave woman. We're the child of the free woman. Paul says, nope, it's now changed up again. It turns out that the, the, uh, the one who we thought was the child of the free woman is, is not. So Paul's point is that the flat story is not to be read as an end in itself. Tell me, who, you who want to be under the law, he says, do you not listen to the, to the law? Only by the free woman, the son by the free woman, uh, has the promise. But the Jerusalem above, not the, you know, the Jerusalem that's established there in Palestine, is our mother. It is re written, rejoice, barren woman, who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For no more numerous are the children of the desolate than the one who has a husband. And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. Israel is often pictured as a barren woman without a husband. And God then comes and is going to be the husband. And so the point is that here is the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus is pictured as the groom 
And the church is pictured as the bride. Here is the fulfillment of the marriage of God to Israel. It occurs in the church. So my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, my kingdom you know, is through the barren woman. Uh, she will have a child unnaturally. Uh, she will not, it will not be by natural means. And what Paul is doing is really identifying, you know, he's identified bondage and freedom in two main ways in chapter uh, 4. So also, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which were by no nature are by nature are by no gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? We talk about this a little bit, that it's a strange thing that Paul is comparing the return to Judaism as if that's the equivalent of returning to idolatrous enslavement. In Paul's explanation in both Galatians and you know, uh, Romans, we all have the same problem. We're all enslaved by sin, and Christ is delivering us from this sin. And uh, it doesn't matter if you were an idolater, if you were under the, the, the law. Uh, the idea is that if you understand the story, there is a universal deliverance in Christ. For if we are free, it is only because our creator is infinitely free. Uh, You know, what is human freedom? Uh, We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. If somebody says, I just want to be free of every constraint. I don't want any constraints on me. Uh, The only situation I can think of is death. Then nothing constrains you. Uh, But otherwise, we are continually then uh, led and constrained, uh, directed. We've been freed from the constraints of the old creation order, but as the new creation, as the promised people is put into place. Paul says the present Jerusalem is in bondage with her children, but the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is the mother of us all. God here is pictured then as caretaker, mother, deliverer. And throughout this section of of, uh, Galatians, let me just list the the way that Paul's talking about this. He uses sex, he uses seed, he uses castration, he uses birth, he uses marriage, he uses adoption. The language is just real world language of family, of men and women and children and families. The idea again is that God is saving us in and through human history, human families. It's a real world history. Uh, But it's a real world history in which God has intersected it. And so we need to keep both things before us. It's not a complete departure from history. It's not a complete departure from the ordinary things of the world. But it's to see in these ordinary things the extraordinary. My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Paul is talking of himself as mother here. 
giving birth to the church in Galatia. Uh, he talks about Abraham had two sons, one by the free, you know, the barren woman. Israel's a childless widow. God is your husband. How do we understand who God is? I think we understand who God is in and through the human family, human history. Uh, certainly, Paul will say it's neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew or Gentile. Uh, that we've been set free from the constraints of those identities, but we understand then who God is also in and through his birth, his deliverance of us, his, uh, you know, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. We know who God is because we know what a father is. We know who God is because we know what a mother is. Uh, if you receive circumcision, Paul says, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And then there's this last harsh word, and this is what I'll end with. I hope I don't hint end in a harsh place. But he says, if you're going to be circumcised, uh, if you're going to do this thing, he says you might as uh, well cut off everything. Uh, the word that he uses, he uses the word katargeo. He uses it in Romans to talk about this is the way that Christ suspends the law. But he's using it in Galatians to say you're going to cut yourselves off from Christ. If you depend upon ordinary things, uh, if you, you know, he says, I wish those who unsettle you would just emasculate themselves. Just cut it off, strike it off. I don't think Paul is giving them medical advice. I don't think he's saying, oh, you need a sex change operation. The point is that the problem is not with the organ or organs of relation, but with the very manner in which they have been constituted. That is, our personal problems and struggles are not with the organs of relationship, but the way in which we apprehend them. The self constituted in the law, that's the universal problem, results in a malorientation. And I think that's sexual, that's, you know, sin, that's the misorientation definitive of sin. And so Paul's recommendation that the legalists just keep cutting is to point to the futility of circumcision in the first place. Circumcision never accomplished the circumcision of the heart. And Paul's saying, we have that now in Christ. So here is real birth. Here is real adoption into the family. Here is, you know, the real circumcision of the, the entire uh, heart. So the point here is that sex, gender, marriage, birth, family, it's either lifted up and rightly understood against the larger story of Christ and the church, or one is left attempting to manipulate an organ, a mountain, a city, a principle, a law, and you cannot be saved through manipulating things, those things. You cannot produce children of God in the flat land of human understanding. Let's sing our hymn of invitation.